Mama Carl and I want to say thank you, of course, to our dear friends who we've known for 40 plus, gosh, I guess at least 40 years now. And uh, we are uh, humbled to be here today and be invited to this great church. I, I love the name of this church, Heart of the Bay. And I love this building. I, this, this is like the perfect size building to preach in because you can actually see people <coughs> and see if they're getting it or not getting it. I don't know. That may not be good or bad. Maybe. Plus, I can also see people get up and walk out if they don't like it. But again, Mark and, and Brenda, in fact, we were laughing when I pulled in about 930. Uh, Mark and I, we're so old, we remember when we had black hair. Yeah. And I remember Brenda when she was a blonde. And I, I, said, Who? I said, who's that good-looking redhead you're with? He goes, oh, that's your, that's your wife. Well, praise the Lord. I see Ed, the Hugos over there, some old friends. and We got some Jubilee uh, people going to pop in tonight. They're at their church. They're redemption to different churches, but we have some friends coming up tonight, and uh, the Apostle of Prayer, Oral Roberts called him, former dean of uh, Oral University, and a, and a man we had dinner last night who built a 10,000-member church in a city of 5,000 people. Now that's, I don't, I've never heard that, but that's an anomaly. In the town of Rockwall, Texas, of 5,000 people from 80 to 91, a 10,000-member church. And, uh, you know, the restaurants were overwhelmed, the gas stations. I mean, most of those folks drove up from Dallas. So Larry will be, Larry's going to be with us all week. We're doing a Wednesday night service at Fred and Cindy Benzel, Rama buddies up in Lincoln, California. By the way, Carl and I, we live in the big city of Lincoln. We left 8 million people in the Bay Area to a town of 6,000 people in the little town of Loomis. As, if you just keep going past Sacramento, Roseville, Rockland... There's Loomis. You can go by real quick and not even uh, bat an eye and you're going to miss our little town. We've been up there, what, honey, about 14 months now. And we're working real close with the Cardozas, uh, who were our assistants back in the 80s, as you guys know. And now they have the church called the Lord's Church. And Fred and Cindy, uh, our other church uh, in, uh, in, in uh, Lincoln, and then the Godos. And we've been, I've been bouncing around preaching at a whole bunch of churches, but... God has really opened some amazing doors for us uh, since we turned the church over to Ron and Hope. And my daughter moved up to El Dorado Hills, and Jesse just moved up to Roseville. And, of course, Adam, in fact, Larry Lee speaking for Adam this morning down at our Morgan Hill Church. So we're just all family. Amen. We're just all, we're all in this together. And, uh, again, honored to be here. Well, Pastor Mark leaned over and he said, blessed are the short window. They might be invited back. So, anyway... <laughs> He didn't, but most of us, most of us, we think that when a guest speaker is here, like uh, people do want to get out by noon, Pastor, so we'll do our best to get you out maybe before that. But please come out tonight, and I think in a few minutes you'll understand why it's going to be so important. We're going to have a night of agreement. This message today and tonight is not a pastoral message, which I did for almost 40 years at Jubilee. Most of my sermons at Jubilee were pastoral about things that people were concerned about, what, are, what people are going through and what's going on and, and all of that. But this morning and tonight, this is a prophetic message. It has a prophetic anointing and slant to it and on it. I think you'll understand in a few minutes. And I've, what I'm about to preach, I've preached in the biggest churches in the world, Dr. Cho, I've preached this at Dr. Cho's, biggest church in Europe, biggest churches in Central South America. And recently I preached it at a church of 18 people in Vacaville. One of our Rama friends. And, and so it doesn't matter how many people are at the meeting. Uh, and you'll hear why I've been under Oral Roberts' command to do this some 30 years ago when I first got the anointing to take this to churches and to the nations. And I'm honored to bring it to uh, the heart of the Bay today. So just a moment, I'm going to have you stand and stretch your hand towards me and make a confession of faith over me that if there's any good thing in me that you need... If there's a rhema, a right now ready, yes. rudder, rhema word. I'll say it again. A right now word, a ready word, a rudder word, a rhema word. That's for you that you're going to get it in Jesus' name. You may not remember the whole message, but you're going to get your rhema. And it's going to help you. And I don't need to explain what rhema means to this church. 
I brought a few. I've written about 20 books. Some of them are out of print. I probably ought to bring... In fact, one book I wrote uh, helped launch the Pensacola Revival. I had no idea until Pastor John Kilpatrick called me, asked permission to, to quote me uh, liberally. He said, Dick, your book, Storming Hell's Gates, uh, I preached 10 Sunday nights out of it. Steve Hill came the 11th. The revival broke out. Would you please come and see what God's doing and your revelation on gates... There's, there's the gate of heaven and there's the gates of hell. It's interesting. There's one gate to heaven, that's Jesus. But the gates of hell, there's, that's plural. There are many gates that open hell into a culture, a society. And that blessed Pastor John. And so he, he taught, I ought to bring that book back. I ought, to, I ought to redo that book, I guess. But anyway, that's, that's another. Let me, let me share this real quick. Uh, this is my latest. It's called God's Covenant Partners. Walking in the power and authority of, of your covenant for 25, 28 years at our Bible college. Uh, Adam would say, Dad, uh, I want you to teach blood covenant and the book of James. So you got it, son. And my staff said, uh, Pastor, you ought to put all that into a book. Because someday you're not going to be teaching at the college and what have you. So we finally did our friend Keith Provence, who ran Harrison House uh, for Buddy back in the day. He does all, all our books now. The, the interesting thing about this... Uh, is who did the forward? Uh, two dear friends of ours, family friends, that are pretty well known. Uh, Jim Brown, arguably the greatest running back in the history of football, and we're family. As we were just with Jim at the Super Bowl, raising money for his uh, foundation. Jim's 86 years old. His best friend just passed away, Bill Russell, and uh, played a lot of golf with uh, with Jim and Bill and the guys. And uh, when when Jim read the. Uh, Manuscript. He uh, he wrote a beautiful, beautiful forward in this. And another dear friend, Smokey Robinson, legendary uh, Motown uh, icon, if you will. Uh, Carl and I, we did a Bible study at Smokey's house for three years, first two two and a half years for uh, every first Tuesday of every month, and we were allowed to minister to celebrities, you name it. They came, seventy five hundred people. And uh, we even did some deliverance on a few people that needed the devil cast out of them. <laughs> Won't mention any names, but in Hollywood, that's probably easy to fill in the blanks, right? But, and Smokey's a golfing buddy and calls me his pastor for years. And Smokey wrote something beautiful. Kim Clement, our, our prophet back in the day, and others. So uh, this, this is the interesting thing about this book. We all know, us guys, we all know people who love football, but they may not love church. But they might read this because Jim Brown did the foreword. Or girls, you might have uh, some girlfriends that love uh, Motown music but won't come to church. Say, you ought to read this. Walker Robinson loved this book. So it's kind of a witnessing tool as well as some revelation. So, and what I, I, have, I have a house, I have a Heart of the Bay special. If you buy this, I think it's $15, you get this free. The laws, from Revelation of Moral Roberts, the laws of seed time and harvest. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a Sunday special deal. And uh, I didn't bring a lot of these. Larry Huggins and I wrote a book. This, this was really uh, inspired by Dad Hagen and E.W. Kenyon on the in him realities of who we are in Christ. And so Larry and I wrote a book called The Real You. I'm not sure how many copies we got of that. But here's my second bestseller of all time. What do you do when Lucifer, Jezebel, or Jonah join your team? <laughs> or marry into your family? Or join your church or your company. And they, they, they're, they're charming, all smiles, but they have their agenda. And mostly they're sociopaths because they think you ought to do what they think is right. And so what do you do? How do you, how do you identify that spirit that is so destructive? You say Jonah? Well, Jonah was a backslidden preacher who almost got a bunch of people killed because he wasn't obeying God. So in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, they had to toss him over. Which is interesting because I've eaten fish and gotten sick. There's a fish that ate a prophet and got sick. And upchucked him on the banks of Nineveh. Can I have an amen to that, somebody? And how many of you have a dog and you, you still love your dog? Anybody got a dog? I wrote, I, I, I've raised hunting dogs, Brittany Spaniels, Labs. And I wrote this book, Fishing Not With Dogs, But For Dogs, because dogs have every human trait. Proven fact. Fact check me. 
Dogs have every human emotion. And if you can make friends with a dog, you can make friends with people. So it's kind of a, it's a cute little book. My, my niece's favorite. How about this? A hundred life lessons from a Jewish king. Things I learned from David. Victories, failures, successes, and defeats. And there's a hundred, a hundred little things that David has and continues to teach me of how to get through some stuff. Uh, questions God asks. I picked 25 questions out of the Bible. Here's a, here's a little, qu- here's a quiz. Now there's no failure. Here's a pop quiz. What's the first question God ever asked a human being? Where are you? Adam. Or how about this? Moses, what's in your hand? Or Elijah, what are you doing here? So there are interesting questions that God asked the patriarchs or the matriarchs, and I think he's still asking some of us the same question. So one of my crusades in India, I had a little downtime, and I, I put together this. Now, this one here I'll be talking about today. I hear a sound, but I may not be able to cover everything in this little book. In fact, Keith saw me on Benny Hinn's program, uh, This Is Your Day, which he, he, has shown, he has shown that program 13 times because of the response from the people. And so Keith said, uh, Dick, do you have, a, do you have that, that sermon in a book? I said, no. He goes, let's do it. He said, let me put it, let me put it together for you. So he put, it to, he put this little book together. I hear a sound, and uh, they're all out there. Would you stand up with me, family, and stretch your hands towards the pulpit? And say this with me. Say, Lord, if there's any good thing in that man that I need, I'm all ears. My mind is open. My heart is willing to receive my word this day in this place. In Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated, everybody. Mama Carla, wave at everybody, my beautiful wife, the ageless one. We got five grandchildren, and uh, the, the latest. Go ahead and be seated, everybody. Little Carlin, he's our newest one. He's, he's the apple of our eye right now. And we, uh, we're enjoying life up there with the kids and the grandkids, and they're doing, they're really doing good. Really, really doing good. I, I heard Joel Osteen say something a couple years ago. You know, Joel, he always starts, he always starts. His daddy was a mentor of mine and a, and a friend. And um, <laughs> so let me share it with you. See if I remember this. There's this woman, fairly new convert to Christ. And she was going to a, like a Wednesday night get together where they're memorizing scripture and then doing a little commentary on why this scripture is so important. Well, this particular Wednesday night, it was Acts 2.38. Peter talking, repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, and, you're, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So that was the scripture memory verse that night. And then the, the, the minister, the pastor, the teacher was kind of breaking it down, why, why this is such a, a, a relevant, timely scripture to uh, download. Well, this little senior citizen, bless her heart, was going home, and as she entered her house... She noticed some of the lights were off that she had left on, and she heard a noise, and she realized somebody is ransacking her house. And, and she, didn't, she didn't know what to do. She just froze, and so she said, Acts 2.38, Acts 2.38, and the guy just froze. She calls the cops. The cops come 20 minutes later, arrest the guy, and one of the officers said, Sir... Uh, we don't understand. Why didn't you run? He said, are you kidding me? That lady told me she had an axe and two thirty-eights. <laughs> the word works. In wonderful, wonderful ways. Would you go with me? Where's Jane? Where's my girl Jane? At? Jane, are you here? There's Jane right there. And she, you've been very helpful, Jane. And uh, God bless you. So I think, did I, I set some scriptures? Maybe we'll put them on the screen. Or if I didn't, don't worry about it. All right. If you have a Bible, 
Do you have a real Bible or do you have an electronic Bible? It's all right. I'm so old school. I have a, in fact, God bless my son. He said, Dad, I bought you a new Bible. It's giant print. I said, thank you, son, because most of the Bibles I have now, I can't even, even with my glasses, I'm like trying to figure this stuff out. But here we go. Go, go in your Bible, if you have one. If not, just listen. To 1 Kings chapter 17. Then we're going to go to chapter 18. Then we're going to take a real quick peek at Acts 2. Then we're going to go back to Genesis 1. That'll be, our, that'll be our reading today. And give me about 15 minutes or so to do a little teaching, and then I'm going to tell you a story. My story, but I, I pray after tonight it's going to be your story of how marvelous God can move in our lives. And boy, the Holy, Ghost, the Holy Ghost got all over me, Mark, when you were... Uh, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. I can't help it. When you said, get this building paid off, I'm pretty good about paying off buildings. And boy, the, the Spirit of God really got on me when you mentioned that. Like, almost, almost said something right then, but prophesied something. But we'll maybe hold that for tonight, <laughs> Lord willing. All right, First Kings 17, here we go. And Elijah the Tishbite. Did you know Elijah was the Tishbite? Do you know what a Tishbite is? Nobody really knows. But that's what he was. Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to old wicked King Ahab. You know who he was. As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall be no dew nor rain these three years except at my word. Let me stop right there. God never told him to say that. T.L. Osborne used to say, if the hand of God isn't moving, I move the hand of God. Now, for some people, that might sound a little too strong, but I totally understand what T.L. was saying. Sometimes God, sometimes God waits on us to get things started with our confession, with our belief, with our faith. Now, if you know your history of, of, the, of the Jewish people, they were always backsliding and getting into idolatry and, and, and all of that. And, and th these are some dark, dark times spiritually for Israel. And the man of God is fed up with his people. And he says, you know what? Because he, he knew Deuteronomy 28. If you read Deuteronomy 28, there's the section of blessings. And then there's the section which is about twice as long of cursings. And one of the cursings, he said, will come upon my people is if you go a whoring or go chasing after idols, I will make the heaven as, as brass and the earth as iron, which basically says I'm stopping the rain. And in an agriculture or in an agri-society, everything is based on rain. Everything. Latter rain, former rain. Then the word of the Lord came to him, verse 2. And God says this, get away from here, turn eastward and hide. In other words, run, boy. That don't even sound like God. <laughs> Every now and then, God will say, stop. God will say, back up. Ecclesiastes 3, there's a time to be silent. It's time to run. Time to hide. <laughs> and he says... Go by the brook, I think CH is a K there. Go by the brook Kareth, which flows into the Jordan. Verse 4, and it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there, which is hilarious. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed at the brook Kareth, which flows into the Jordan. Verse 6, the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning. Now, if you know anything about ravens, this is a miracle. These are the gnarliest feathered creatures in all of featherdom. They eat their own. If they get hungry enough, they eat their own. They eat their babies. Ravens don't share nothing. And now they're sharing dinner and breakfast with a prophet. Can you imagine? You're a raven and you're flying with a T-bone steak in your mouth and a loaf of bread like, and you're hungry and you're looking at each other like, what are, what are we doing? I don't know. Well, listen now. If God could get animals two by two into an ark, he can make ravens do what he wants. And by the way, what's the last two animals into the ark? Snails. So listen, if your prayer hasn't been answered yet, it's coming. And we're not going to shut the door on the ark until your prayer gets answered. So just have snail patience. Can I say that? And amen. All right. 
<laughs> Verse 5, so he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook Harith, which flows into the Jordan. And the ravens are doing their thing. Here they come. And then what, look at verse 7. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up. Another question, church. Why did the brook dry up? Because the prophet said no rain. You've got to be careful what you prophesy. <laughs> then the word of the Lord came to him. Now, this gets crazier, if I may. Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, <laughs> I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. Not just a widow, but a widow who's starving to death. She's about to make half a sandwich, share it with her son, and both of them are going to die. I don't have time to read. You know the story. Ravens and widows. Which means God can use anything, anytime, anyhow, and anybody to bless you. Now, what's ironic about that passage is, now run to Zarephath. By the way, this is modern Lebanon. This is north of Israel, which belongs to Sidon. Where's Jezebel from? Jezebel, who's down in Israel, ruining the country with her weak, spineless husband. She's Sidonian. Jezebel is from Sidon. <laughs> so we got God's man in Sidon. We got the devil's woman in Israel. Very ironic. Very, very ironic. All right. Now, let's move up three and a half years over to chapter 18. By the way, I don't have time, but in between is the great shootout at the OK Corral on Mount Carmel. You know the story. Fire comes down. The people repent. The people, the people turn back to God. Elijah kills uh, 400 prophets uh, of Baal and 400, I think, prophets of Asherah. 800 prophets. I mean, that's a, that's a day's work. And the people, are, the people, our God, God is God. Jehovah is God. We're sorry, God. We're coming back. So now it's time for the rain to come because they've repented. Verse 41 of First uh, Kings 18. Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. I have a word for this church. I hear a sound. I hear a sound of abundance coming to this church. In monies and things money can't buy. Miracles that even money can't pay for. But I hear a sound. Now watch. Watch. Let's read on a little bit. So Ahab, verse 42, went up to eat and drink. And Elijah went to the top of Mount Carmel, where he just, of course, had this great victory. And he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees. He's praying. And said to his servant, go up now, look towards the sea. This is the Mediterranean looking west. So he went up and looked and said, there's nothing. And seven times he said, go again. So the servant, now we're not sure. Theologians can only suggest, what did, what, what did the prophet hear? The, the wind shifting? The, the, he, heard, he heard something, not just a spiritual hearing. He actually heard something that told him it's coming. It's, it's coming. I mean, it is coming. So he tells the servant, well, go look and see what's going on. He goes, nothing. Blue sky, not a cloud in the sky. Six times. Sorry, boss. Sorry. Sorry, jefe. Sorry, patron. Sorry, prophet. Sorry, big cheese. Not a zero, nothing. Are you sure you heard something? Go again. That's why we keep praying. Pray, go again. That's why we keep confessing. Confess again. That's why we keep giving. Give again. That's why we keep praising. Praise again. We keep doing it. Because we want to see something. We want to see the hand of God move. Watch. On the seventh time, verse 44, he said, Boss, there is a cloud as small, I mean, way out yonder, there's a little pretty little white cloud rising out of the sea. And he said, Go tell Ahab, get with it. Prepare your chariot. Go down before the rain stops. You know, it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind. And there was a heavy rain. This rain broke the drought, broke the famine. 
the pestilence and brought revival. An economic revival and a spiritual revival to the people of God. I hear a sound. I hear a sound of an economic revival and a spiritual revival for this nation. I'm not, I'm not going, I'm not going to go political. I could, I'm not going to, but I hear a sound of some major changes coming to the kingdom of God and to this nation we love called America and to the Bay Area. Now watch, I want you, I want you to notice a principle here of sequence. First he heard, then they saw, then they felt rain on their skin. I'll say it again. First they heard, first he heard, then the servant saw, then everybody felt the heavens unload and unleash her glory called rain. Acts chapter 2, please. We're going to speed up here just a little bit now. Acts chapter 2. Let's talk about the birth of the church. Verse 1. Now when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly, <clears throat> suddenly, there came what? There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, which really was the breath of God. Just like when God, when, this is the birth of the church. The birth of man came when God breathed onto the face. In fact, in the, in the Hebrew, it says nostrils, but it's, it's the exact same word as face. So, so it was actually Jesus doing all, the, the, doing all that. So when Jesus breathed in the face of Adam, he became a living soul. That's the birth of humanity, as we know humanity. This is the birth of the church. And it also starts with a breath of God, a blast of God's breath, pneuma, which, which sounded to them like a, like a tornado or a hurricane. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Let me stop right there. Notice the house was filled before the people are going to be filled. The house was filled with his presence before the people are going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Why do you think we worship for 30 minutes? Why do you think every church worth its salt worships? Because we want the house filled with his presence. So when the preacher stands up and delivers the word, we're ready to receive it. Because it'll break up the fallow ground. It'll soften our heart. It'll, it'll calm down what's going on in our mind about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. What happened yesterday? What happened last night? That's why we have to keep worshiping so, until the house is filled with His glory and filled with His presence. And then the man of God, the woman of God can stand up and, and start throwing chunks of meat out there. And now you're ready to devour and eat the Word of God to change your life. Now watch. Work with me. Work with me now. Let's walk this out and then work it out. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house. Then, number two, there appeared to them divided tongues, which means two cloven tongues of fire, and one set upon each one of them, the 120. Verse four, now they're all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Verse 5, and, there, and, and they, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came running together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his or her own language. Now, watch now. Here we go again. First, there's a, this is the birth of the church. First, there was a sound. Then there was a sight. Then there was new speech. But it started with the sound. Now, this is, Pentecost was like Christmas to the Jews. This was their big, big, big holiday. People are shopping. People are buying. They're shopping. They're busy. The town is full of people. town is full of people from all over the region, not just Israel. People came from all over to celebrate Pentecost. Why would thousands of people stop what they're doing? It's because they heard a new sound. They heard a sound up the street. What is that? They heard a glorious sound. They heard a magnificent sound. They heard a beautiful sound. So strong that they stopped shopping 
as busy as they are, and said, be right back. I got to find out what this is. There's a new sound coming to this church. There's new songs. There's new sermons. There's new revelation. And people will be driving up the street and have to stop and say, I don't know why, but I got to pull into this parking lot because there's something drawing me into this place. Something is drawing me into this place. I had people come to Jubilee. They had no idea. They're driving on 237. All of a sudden, they just turn in the parking lot. What is this? What is this place? And stay there for 20 years because there was a new sound coming from the house of God. All right, quickly. Let's go over to Genesis 1. I'm going to ask you a question. Of your five physical senses, which God gave us to traffic in this natural world, sights, sight, hearing, smell, taste, touch, which is the most spiritual? Well, that's, in this church, that would be an easy answer. It's not sight. We walk by faith, not by I don't think it's by smell or taste, even though taste and see the Lord is good. I understand that analogy and all that. But it's your hearing. It's the gate. This is the main gate. It's your hearing. Faith comes by Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by what? Hearing. And by what? Hearing. It's in the continuum. Brother Hagin used to say, faith doesn't come by heard. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and continually hearing the what? The rhema. Now, as you know, there's two Greek words for word. Logos. In the beginning was the logos. In the beginning was the word. The word is with God. The word was God. The word dwelt among us. That's all logos. It's all logos. Jesus is the logo of heaven. If I show you a silver apple with a piece out of it, you all know what an apple. Major companies have a logo where they don't, you don't need the name of the company because when you see the logo... You automatically know the name of the company. Jesus is the logo of heaven. You want me to prove it to you? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus is the Word. This whole Bible is Jesus. This whole Bible is the Word of God. But, Romans 17, it doesn't say faith comes by the Logos. Now, reading the Word is comforting, it's educational, inspirational at times. But we're talking about faith that moves mountains. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the rhema. The word there, check, fact check me, it's rhema. Rhema is that word that has your name on it, that jumps off the pages and changes your life. It's a right now ready, redder, rhema word. And it usually means, rhema, you you can study it out. It also means kind of the the preached word. When somebody is under an anointing and they're preaching, there's a good chance there's a rhema in there. Even though he may be quoting the logos, reading the logos, commentary on the logos, all good, all good stuff. But all of a sudden, here comes that rhema that changes your life. And that ignites mountain-moving faith. Am I right about that? Yeah. All right. Now, one more scripture. Genesis chapter 1. We're still on this thing about sound. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created. The word there in the Hebrew is bara. Look it up. It means to create something out of absolutely nothing. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. In the beginning, God, bara, created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, which is quite interesting. Those words mean, mean misery, confusion, agony, distress. I don't think God created the earth to be like that, so we're not quite sure. We're not quite sure. I only suggest that maybe between verses 1 and 2, maybe that's when Satan was cast out of heaven and he trashed the planet. Some, a lot of theologians believe that. I kind of lean towards that, but, but I don't think... I don't think God created, because earth, earth was created to be a reflection of heaven's perfection. Man was created to be a reflection of God. The marriage was created to be a reflection of the church. And all, all, everything God does, he says, is good. So something happened that trashed this planet. So really, the rest of Genesis 
is restoration, not creation. He already, he created planet Earth, but something happened that messed it up. So the rest of it is God restoring. Now watch. Verse 3. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. I believe, stay with me, I believe in the Big Bang Theory. There it is. That's the Big Bang Theory. Because this immense blackness of nothingness. Now there's God, there's heaven, there's angels, but the rest of it is nothing. Nothing. There's nothing, nothing. And all of a sudden, bang, boom. God said. So all of that, which was nothing, heard something come out of God's mouth. Watch now. It heard a sound. And now there is a universe, which is expanding, as you know. Now, let's talk about that. Uni. Verse. Uni means one. Unicycle. Uni means one. Verse. Are you ready for this? If God can create all of that with one verse, why can't He heal you with one verse? Why can't He? prosper you? Why can't he answer your prayer? Why can't he save your marriage? All you need sometimes is one verse, a rhema, and stand on that verse, and stand, and stand, and stand. You don't need to know the whole Bible. I hope you do someday. I don't. I'm still reading this beautiful thing. Sometimes one verse. One. That God's backing. I'm telling you, I hear a sound. I hear a sound. Where were you October the 14th? Where, October the 14th, where were you? Uh, 1947. <laughs> Most of you were... I'm going like, to look like Steph Curry now. When he puts another team away, he just kind of, he does this like, most of you were doing this with God. You were with God, but you were asleep in God. I was three years old. I'll be 78 in October. I know I don't look older than 77, but. (laughs) People think Carla's my daughter half the time. Like I said, she's 104 years old. What are you talking about? On October the 14th, 1947, the world changed forever. It's the day in Southern California the sound barrier was broken. By the way, that was thought by very smart people. Conventional wisdom was, it's one of those laws of physics that you don't mess with. You don't try to catch up to your own sound, because you'll be destroyed. Now, before World War II, during World War II, the Germans, the Americans started working on this thing called jet or rocket propulsion. But during World War II, our fighter jets... Did did I send a picture, Jane? Did I send any pictures? Put a couple of pictures up there. Put the first one up there, if you have it. Now, back up. Back up. uh, Throw throw another one up there. Back up one more. I probably sent one up. Okay, right there. That is a uh, a World War II... uh, British Spitfire. Now, these these prop planes would go about 430 miles an hour. The Japanese had a great plane called the Zero. Uh, The Germans had a really tremendous plane. Can't quite remember the name of it in in the Air Force. We had the Mustang. All these planes were amazing. Our our planes maybe are just a little bit better, and we won, of course, we won the, the Battle of the Skies. Now, but during... And before and during World War II, and the Germans were actually a little bit ahead of us. And, and thank God they lost the war, or no matter, we could have been in big trouble. But we were in competition of developing jet and rocket propulsion. So in, the British were even a little ahead of us. Because 
Everybody wanted, everybody wanted to see if the sound barrier could be broken. Sound travels at approximately 700 miles an hour, or Mach 1. It depends on altitude. It varies a little bit. Less resistance the higher you go with atmosphere. What they were doing in England where they were attaching these new jet engines on, on these older designs and these planes were crashing, exploding. And I think one test pilot, I think one test pilot got killed. And so they realized you can't put new wine in old wine skins. Okay. Hello, church. If we want more power, we better look at our design. If we want more power, we better really look at our design. Can it handle? So, the test, the test pilots in England called the sound barrier the demon wall. That was their nickname. Demon wall. The closer you get to the demon wall, you're going to get killed. Winston Churchill got voted out of office. Fact check me. The new prime minister killed the whole deal. But Ah, but in America, there was Bell Laboratories. Next picture, please. This is what we built in 1947. Fashioned after a 50 caliber bullet. They used a 50 caliber, which is an elephant gun. They used a, a I'm a hunter, I know. A 50 caliber bullet. I've never shot an elephant, I'm sorry. I, 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 I saw some of you looking at me, you know. But I'll be honest with you. Something has to die for me to have a good meal. I'll just say that. <laughs> Could be a cow, a chicken, a duck, a fish, whatever. Something has to give up the ghost for me to enjoy. No offense to the vegans. God bless you and all that. Praise the Lord. But <laughs> That was developed in 1947 with four little jet motors. Colonel Chuck Yeager, World War II hero. Amazing guy. Got in that thing on the 14th. Show the next picture. Keep that there for a minute. And I read his book. They attached him to a B-29. I forgot to send that picture. But they, they attached the Bell one called the Glamorous Glennis, which was named after his wife. Cute. Glamorous Glennis. I don't know if you can see it. Anyway. And they, the B-29 took him up about 25,000 feet. He was... He was Riding, they, they dropped him. He went up to 40,000, and off he went. Watch now, Mark. 400 miles an hour. But he got up to 500, 550 that the plane started. Why? Because he's catching up to his own sound. The demon wall. 600 miles an hour. And he's thinking. 650 miles an hour. He thought, he thought the plane was going to explode. And when he hit, keep your eye on that. That's a modern jet there. But when he hit Mach 1, when he caught up to his own sound, boom! <laughs> Down on the ground, they're like, what was that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's no thunder. There's no clouds in the desert. Down by Lancaster, you know that area. What was that? There was a... Hang with me, church. We're going somewhere with this. There was a new sound never heard on planet Earth before because they broke through the demon wall. Come on. He broke the sound barrier. See that? That's breaking the sound barrier. And this is what Chuck said in his book. He heard the sound, but it was behind him. And once he broke through the sound barrier... He said it was like skating on ice. He said never in his life had he ever had a smoother ride once they broke through the demon wall. Down on the ground, the general calls Harry S. Truman, the president in 47. Mr. President, we have broken through. We can now go to the moon and the stars. 22 short years later, July 1969, Neil Armstrong walked on the moon. And today, we have a telescope out there so far, we're actually researching the edge of the universe. All because the demon wall was broken through. I hear a sound. 
I hear a sound. I hear a sound. Church, I hear a sound. I hear a new sound of new things. Quickly, let me tell you a story. That tonight, you got to come back because we're going to have a breakthrough tonight. I was preaching for Brother Fritchie at a little Pentecostal church in Dinuba. Anybody know where Dinuba is down on Highway 99? Kind of below Fresno on the way to Bakersfield. Oh, Brother Fritchie, about 70 some odd years. My age now. <coughs> I, keep, I keep forgetting. <laughs> Old Brother Fritchie. Dick, he said, would, would you ever come down and preach at my church? I said, well, I'll come. Yeah, well, sure. You know, he said, we only got like... 50 people. I said, I don't care. I said, I'll, I'll drive down on a Sunday night. Well, after doing two services of Jubilee, I forgot how far of a drive that was. <laughs> I'm tired, whatever. And we had, well, we had a great service. And because I was there, they had 52 people. <laughs> <laughs> kind of weird being almost famous. <laughs> I go back to the Motel 8. He put me in a hotel right on Highway 99 where I thought the trucks were coming through the front door. <laughs> I mean, really, it's hard to sleep. I'm watching, uh, I'm watching CNN News when it was worth watching. No offense. Actually, it was intended, so whatever. <clears throat> and there's Jimmy Swagger crying. Like, what the heck? And repenting. Now, us word of faith people. Jimmy was hard on Brother Hagen and Brother Copeland. And so a whole lot of Assembly God churches were kind of looking at guys like you and me as that faith cult from Tulsa. So, I know I am, but where do you, you know? <laughs> so, don't ask me why. I think Ed probably heard, me, heard this sermon before, but I started crying for a fallen preacher who I didn't even like. I mean, I loved him the Jesus way, but I didn't like him personally. I thought he was arrogant, criticizing. I just, he wasn't my cup of tea. I mean, we have, we have our guys we follow, but that was... I started crying like a little girl, like a little 12-year-old girl, no offense. Now, why am I crying for this guy? And then I can't shake it. So I called a buddy of mine, Steve Muncie. I said... So, do you, have, you, you know how to get a hold of Jimmy Swagger? He goes, well, I do have a number. I said, give it to me. Why? I, I don't know. Just give it to me. I called this number. Hello? It's him. <laughs> Brother Swagger? Yes. I said, hi, uh, Brother Swagger. This is Dick Brown. Hey, Dick. How's Carla? We, li we like watching you on TBN because you're different. You're refreshing. I said, well, thank you, sir. I'm like, okay, he knows me. Praise the Lord. What can I do for you? I said, I don't know, but I think you could use a friend. He goes, you could say that. I said, uh, you Cajun guys like crab. Why don't you fly out here? And Carl and I will take you to San Francisco. We have a couple of places with really good crab. When? You tell me. Two weeks later, here he comes. Whole family. The whole family. And big old Clyde, his number one donor. We take him to the Carnelian room. We're having crab. And we're having a little fellowship. Holy Ghost gets on me. Have him preach for you. <clears throat> I bind you, devil, in Jesus' name. <laughs> Too much iced tea. I don't know what that was. Yeah. About the third time. He has a word for your church. So I said, Jimmy. I'm sorry. I said, the uh, Holy Ghost is all over me. He gave me kind of that smirk. I said, he wants you to preach Sunday. He laughed. He said, Dick, you're in enough trouble having dinner with me. I said, maybe. But I do know the Holy Ghost. It takes me a little while, but I do know the voice of the Holy Ghost. Francis goes, honey, Dick wants Holy Ghost. Okay. Word got out. That was the old building seated about, what, honey, 1,750 people. About 2,500 people tried to cram in the 11 o'clock service and the press. And he preached the most magnificent message out of 1 Corinthians 11 on communion. How Jesus took the bread, broke the bread, gave the bread. He said, God has taken me. God has broken me. And I hope someday he'll give me back to the body. And we're all crying like we're all crying like little babies now. Well, after the service, he said, Dick, I want you to meet Mr. Story. He lives here in your area. 
He gives me a million dollars every year. He says, now, I'll warn you, he cusses like a sailor, drinks like a fish, cries when I preach, and gives me a million dollars. I go, and there's a problem? <laughs> I said, Jim Harris, I said, I, I'm an iron worker. I run to the Hell's Angels. I said, I, the rodeo crowd. I said, I'm, I'm used to a little blue language, but... Well, he brings him to the back room, and he's hugging Jimmy because he got saved watching Jimmy on TV, and he loves Jimmy. Jimmy, I want you to be Pastor Dick. It was like this. Nice to meet you. He could care less. He's Jimmy's guy. So that was it. They flew back, gave Jimmy a big offering. We loved him and said, you know what? God's not through with you. God's not through with you, Brother Swagger. Two Sundays later, I see Mr. Story sitting way in the back. He's about five foot four. He's big, barrel-chested, got a baritone voice, red face because he drinks like a fish. This shock of white hair. White hair. <laughs> Give me some of that dye. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> After about six Sundays, sitting back there, he finally comes up. And he stands there waiting for me to do my pastoral thing, shaking hands with people, you know, saying hi to people. Hey, Dick, it's not, it's not Reverend, it's not Dr. Bernal, it's not Pastor, Bishop. Dick, hey, Dick, you remember me? Really, he's got a booming voice. I go, well, yeah, Carl, you're Jimmy's friend. What are you doing tomorrow? I said, Monday? I don't know. I don't know. I haven't talked to Carly yet. Usually we go to catch a movie, we do a little date day. He goes, you know where the Hacienda is? Nice restaurant in Saratoga. Oh, yeah. Do you know where the bar is, the Hacienda? I go, I used to. <laughs> what? What? He goes, meet me at 1 o'clock. You got a problem with that? I go, no. So I put on my baseball cap, put my collar up, sunglasses. The bar's kind of dark. I'm kind of, I'm kind of slinking into the bar. He's sitting in the corner. He stands up. He goes... Place is packed. <clears throat> hey, everybody, I want you to meet Pastor Dick Bernal from Jubilee. <laughs> Take my hat off. And people, people are like, like a Carol you know, like whatever, crazy Carl. So we're having lunch, and, and uh, we're just, he goes, Well, I've been coming to your church. He goes, I like that Ron Canola guy. He sounds like Lou Rolls. So I go, yeah, he does. He goes, But your music's a little loud. I go, Well, whatever. Yeah. Well, we like it. Well, you want to know why I'm coming to your church? I go, I'm all ears. Francis called me, Jimmy's wife. Carl, you going to church? No. I'm just watching you and John Hagee on TV. It's all I need. She goes, no, it's not. I was praying for you this morning, and God told me to tell you, you go help Dick Burnell. He's, he's going somewhere. He's going to do something, and you need to help him. He says, so. Like, he wasn't very excited about it. Here I am. Reverend, what do you need? I started laughing. I said, Carl. You want me to roll out my list? You never ask a preacher what we need. We'll be here till dinner. I said, I tell you what, Carl and I are taking 120 people to Israel in two, two weeks. Why don't you go with us? I need to get to know you. He says, we flying first class? I said, you buying? He goes, shut up. Of course I'm buying. I said, I'm flying. Everybody's back in coach. And I'm up there first class. Well, this guy, Jimmy told me he drinks like a fish. This guy has about six Bloody Marys from San Francisco to Tel Aviv. Hour or two layover. He has another sixer. We're halfway across the Atlantic. And this guy's already drank like a bottle of vodka. Telling stories and telling me how he got rich and all this, you know, blah, 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 blah. Started five companies in Silicon Valley. And finally, he gets, he goes, I'm tired. I go, thank God. I'm, I'm trying to get, I'm going to get some sleep. <laughs> I'm hosting a tour. We're going to land in Tel Aviv here in five hours. And he goes, oh, by the way, God just told me to give you a million dollars. I said, oh, well, God just told me to receive it. He goes, I did. Now, there are some things that don't take long to get a word from the Lord. <clears throat> and, 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 and he goes, he always said, shut up. Don't, don't, don't be silly. He always said, shut up, don't be silly. I said, I don't know, I was just I was excited. So I'm thinking, I got that piece of land. I owe $4 million. I got no, no money in the bank. At least I can put a little bit, maybe the bank might, bank might, whatever, whatever. My, my mind is going 100 miles an hour. He lays the seat down, 
30 seconds later, he pops the seat back up. I'm just shutting my eyes. He goes, hey. Slaps me. I'm on the window. He slaps me in the arm. Yes, sir. He goes, remember what I just told you? I said, well, Carl, we talked about, no, 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 no. Remember what I just told you about the million dollars? He goes, forget it. It's like I swallowed a bowling ball. <laughs> Clank. Well, praise the Lord. Thank you for the thought anyway. You know all that. He goes, he goes like this, holds his hand up. And I went, well, praise the Lord. He goes, what are you doing? No, actually, he said, what the hell are you doing? He goes, what the hell are you doing? What the hell are you doing? I said, well, what are you doing? I'm, I'm half a, you know. He goes, God told me to give you $5 million. Now, watch. I'm thinking that's the vodka, not the Holy Ghost. Next morning, but I'm kind of like, ah, no, Jimmy said million a year. Uh, and Jimmy's this guy. Five million, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Next morning, you know, these tours are. We're at the hotel and we're having breakfast, you know. Here Carl comes. Where's Bernal? Real loud. He's got a bottle of Tylenol. He's got, he took his nurse with him. He had bad gout and other things and bad hip. And he brought his nurse. And he had an ice pack. He had a hangover. And he's shaking the Tylenol. Where's Bernal? Where's Bernal? I, I said, over here, Carl. Carl and I, over here. He says, tells his nurse, go get me some orange juice. So scramble things. Hurry, hurry. He's one of these bossy guys. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Oh, he's got the ice bag. He said, oh, we had a big time, didn't we? I thought, well, you had, you had a big time. <laughs> And he did, Marky does this, he said, he says, now Dick, I'm a crazy old blue jay and I drink too much, but my word's my bond, you'll get your five million. But he gave it to us personally. I said, Carl, when we're at his office, Dr. Kim and I, and we could have used the money. We, we, we had a house, we were upside down in a house, and we had no money in the bank. Yeah, I could have used five million dollars, but been nice. Maybe get a jet, fly around, take, take you with me, you know, would have been, would have been nice. I said, Carl, don't make that out to, I said, make that out to Jubilee. He goes, you're a blankety blank fool. He goes, you're going to build some big old church and there's going to be a tribulation. It's going to be destroyed and you need to take care of your family. Move to Montana, you know, get 10 years worth of food, you know, because he, that was his eschatology was all into all that, into the world stuff, right? I said, well, Carl, I said, uh, you're giving it to me, right? I'm giving it to the church. He said, I don't care if you flush it down the blankety blank toilet. I got to obey God. I went to the bank, paid off that $4 million. The bank said, Reverend, you now have a $21 million line of credit. Build your church. We built that church and paid it off in four years. Praise paid the whole thing off. <laughs> we, just, we just got offered $80 million for two buildings. Google's trying to buy up everything. We're holding out for 100 <laughs> Anyway. Anyway, watch now. Thank you, Lord. I'm playing golf. Larry Lee will be here tonight. Six months later, I'm down and preaching down in Southern California, and I'm playing golf with Oral Roberts, Larry Lee, great golfer back in the day, Oral too, Michael Cardone, multimillionaire, CarQuest, owns CarQuest, and me, we're playing golf. We're at the first, Larry will be here tonight. He loves the story. We're getting ready to, we're practicing. Larry, hey, Dick, did you tell Oral about Carl giving you $5 million? And Oral goes, what? No, you didn't. I said, uh, well, at, at lunch later, he goes, no, 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 right now. He's leaning on his golf club. So I, t I told the Reader's Digest version real quick. Puts the golf club down, and he goes, come here. Gets down like this, lay your hands on me. Oral Roberts. Dick, come here, lay your hands on me. And I'm like, I look at Larry, Larry. He goes, pray for me. ORU needs $8 million yesterday. He says, we're, we're in trouble. Pray for me for $8 million. I'm thinking, all right, so I prayed for him. Probably the sorriest prayer I ever prayed. I'm nervous, you know, Oral Roberts. I'm looking at the top of his head, you know. So he stands up. Oral, you tee off first. You know, he turns around. And he goes, Dick, I'm talking to Larry. Like, what just happened? <laughs> Dick, yes, sir. He said, God just told me. He's given you a very unique anointing to release big gifts for churches and business people who are Christian to go to the next level. He said, wherever you go in this world, you come into agreement with the leadership or anybody you want to and see if God can't pop them up. Now, that $8 million came in. Now, 
A few months later, I'm back at his big yearly meeting, ICBM or whatever it's called. Everybody's there. There's 70, 70 of us, Dr. Cho, uh, Copeland, Jerry, Jesse, uh, Joyce. I mean, the biggest, the biggest preachers in our world. And so I'm sitting back there with Charles Neiman, minding our own. We had the two littlest ministries probably in the... Everybody else is on TV every day and big, you know, flying jets here and there. And we're back there, Charles and I, just glad. We're just like glad to be at the party. Oral goes, hey, Dick, come up here. So, yes, sir. He goes, stand right next to me. Oral tells everybody the story. He said, this man right here has the most unique anointing to release big gifts. I want you to come up here and let him lay hands on you and pray for you. But you tell Dick what you're believing for. So here they come. Copeland, 100 million, 50 million, Jesse, you know. And I'm, going, I'm like, oh my God. Tommy Barnett told me, he said, Dick, when you prayed for me, he said, in all my ministry years, the biggest gift I got was 200,000. He said, right after you prayed for me, $12 million came in for the Dream Center. Boom, 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 boom. And I got reports from Kong He and people all over the world. It's not a gimmick. I believe Oral Roberts is a prophet. And so why do I want you to come back tonight? Because I want you to spend the next few hours, six hours or so, and have a talk with yourself, your husband, your wife. What are you believing for to get this building paid for? What are you believing for for your business, your work, your family, that can make your life a whole lot sweeter and better? And remember, the Bible says over there in Ephesians, above all you can ask or think or even come up with, God is bigger than that. So tonight, we're going to have an agreement service. We're going to release that anointing over you tonight. Thank you. I just did this for Chip Brim. He called me, Dick. Guy just gave me $100,000. Fred, Fred's little old church yeah. up in Lincoln. In November, I prayed for Fred. Two weeks later, a guy brought him a $176,000 check. Yeah. He said, that was like six months budget. And so, I, so that's why Chip is promoting me to, to go to places. So again... If you, if you want to elevate, let me just say this. Revelation brings, elevation brings revelation. Remember what Jesus said to John? Come up hither. Come up here. I came down there three, I came down there for 33 and a half years. And I walked with you. Now you come up here, John, because I'm going to show you things to come. So tonight, now watch. Why is it important for you to open your mouth? Because I want to hear a sound out of your mouth. Because it all starts with a sound. It all starts with a sound. Yeah. Not a thought, a sound. Yes. And I want you to tell me tonight what you're believing for. And then by faith, I want you to catch up to your own voice. Yeah. Which means there's going to be resistance. The demon wall is still there. The devil's going to try his best to stop what you're believing for. But that's why we walk by faith. We run by faith. We move mountains by faith. Because by faith, I hear a sound. Boom! And there's going to be a breakthrough. Stand up, everybody, please. I know this is a little different today, but this is what I'm under. I'm under instruction by the prophet Oral Roberts to take this message to the four corners of this globe. One of the reasons it was time for me to turn the church over like Larry Lee turned his church over and left ORU to take the prayer message to 60 countries. Yeah. Wasn't easy to walk away from a church. Wasn't easy for me to walk away from Jubilee. We were comfortable. We weren't as big as we were. when We had 20,000 members, 8,000 in attendance. But we still had a big church. We still had a good church. Money in the bank, everything paid for. But you know what? Yeah. Kingdom first. Every preacher, every preacher I've ever met is kingdom, but not all are kingdom first. A kingdom first preacher says, I may have to sacrifice. John the Baptist might be the greatest example of kingdom first preaching ever. He was the man. He had tens of thousands of people following him. And one day he said, I have to decrease so he can increase. So the kingdom can increase. I had to decrease. I had to step down. I needed somebody younger. My son's happy in Morgan Hill. I needed a couple that could go another 25 years. Bring some fresh oil, bring some fresh word, bring some fresh ways. 
Ron, take it. Hope, Carl and I, we're heading up north, and we're going to take this message to wherever doors are open. So tonight, spend the next several hours and ask yourself, what would it take? And we're going to, have a, we're going to line you up tonight, and you're going to tell me. You don't have to tell nobody else. But you're going to tell me, because I want, I want that sound to come out of your mouth. Release it. And then watch what God does. Stretch your hand towards heaven. Pastor, I'm done. I'm not finished, but I'm done. Now, Father, I'm just praying over this great crowd, this wonderful crowd, old friends, new friends, that by the Holy Ghost, you will reveal to them that the best is yet to come. That's not a cliche. That's a prophetic truth. And that there are things, I don't care how young or old, there are things in their future that they must release out of their mouth so heaven can hear a sound. And then we're going to start running by faith. And we're going to catch up and break through to the blessing you have for us. God bless you. Love you, everybody. We'll see you at 630.